Good morning. This is the morning after a Friday edition. We made it through another week here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in, as always, here on the morning after getting your morning started here with us on Fighting Scots Radio, as always, Monday through Friday. I'm right here with you, Tyler Trumbauer. We're going three wide today uh, as we got uh, your Friday man, Tubby, here is in the building as well. And finally, just walking in, paperwork in hand. Uh, you know, he's, he's the big man. He's got a lot of stuff to do. Mr. Executive himself, the station manager, general manager, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Fenner, is also with us for the full hour to uh, talk mostly Borough football with him because, I mean, when you think of Borough football, you think of Mike Fenner. It just kind of goes hand in hand. So thank you, gentlemen, for coming on in this morning and joining me today. Thanks so, of course, Fenner, you know, well, I, I... We really didn't have a choice. You can just kind of walk in and say, yo, I'm on your show because that's the stroke you have, my friend. Right. You know, you there's, so. there's a hierarchy of things, and you're kind of at the top of the food chain type of deal. So uh, a team that wasn't on the top of the food chain last night was the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll start with that um, today. We'll talk about that in the first uh, maybe 20 minutes of the show leading into um, hopefully we'll have on the line former NFL coach, former Steelers guy as well, and former Edinburgh offensive coordinator from last year, Mike Miller, was ho- will hopefully call in. We'll have him about 8.15-ish. Um, he'll talk mostly NFL football. Or 9.15, excuse me. 8.15 was about 45 minutes ago. I was still in bed at that time. Um, uh, 9.15. And um, then we'll, we'll ask him mostly about the NFL and uh, maybe some Borough football questions, one or two of them. And then we'll transition perfectly into Borough football as they host the Shippensburg Red Raiders tomorrow. That's a noon kickoff at Sox Harrison Stadium. If you're not like Tubby and coming to the game in person, right, Tubby, you're making the trip from Titusville to see this game. I make every best effort. You told me yesterday you were coming. Now you well, changed. Well, I know, I know. Well, see, that, that's the thing. When you have a wife and you have children and then you, they have activities on the weekend and you live 45 minutes away. But I'm going to make every best I'm going to question your manhood because last, when I asked you on Wednesday if you could come on the show on yesterday, just in case I couldn't make it because of my illness, you said the first response you had was let me ask the wife. Exactly. Why can't you just be I'm the dog tubby, I'm going? Kids, get in the car. We're going to watch the football game. Forget what the wife says. Forget what whoever says. You're going to the game. You know what? I've been married for almost 15 years now. Congratulations. And I'd like to continue to be married to my ever-loving wife. And this is how this works. What she says goes. She says jump. I don't ask how high. I ask when can I come down. It's just that simple. It's a happy wife, happy life. I'm telling you. I mean, you're you're young and you're. But you think she's gonna be mad if you just went to football? Oats and vinegar, and and you will learn this one day. You will learn, and it's okay. I'm here to help you. I am the shining example. It's okay, Tyler. It's all right. When you grow up and put your big boy pants on, and, and you happen to have a relationship that lasts longer than three months, then you'll you'll know that you know compromises are made, and and mostly you just give in. Well, anyway, because she's always right. If and if you, she's ever wrong, refer to the first rule where she's always right. Well, if you still have your man card and you are going to come to Sox Harrison Stadium, you can come out on Saturday, watch the Fighting Scots take on the Red Raiders. If not, you can listen to us, Mike Fenner, and I have the call here on 88.9. Uh, pre-game will start about 11.30, 11.40. Um, you can also listen to that on edinburghnow.com or on the TuneIn app on mobile devices, as we've got you covered everywhere. And you can also watch a, a video of that on ETV Live and a live video stream of that on edinburgh.tv. So, we got all of that today to talk about and more. But first, let's start off with the National Football League as that started off last night. Um, the New England Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers at Gillette Stadium. The Patriots 
defeated the NFL in the offseason, and fittingly so, started off the season with a win, a 28-21 game, a, a win, excuse me, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a game that was not as close as the final score indicates um, with the Steelers getting a, a touchdown right there at the end. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady being Tom Brady, 25 for 32, 288 yards passing, four touchdowns, no picks, only sacked twice. Um, he just said, hey, NFL, shove it. You know, I'm Tom Brady. Not only did I beat you, I'm going to come in and the Patriots are going to be great. And, you know, in in some pouring down rain, the Patriots took care of business, Tubby. And, uh, you know, the Steelers, they, they didn't look so hot last night. No, that uh, the steel curtain, it is not. It's more like the... Uh... Lacy curtain. It's it's like a colander. It's like, like you know I when you guess. make like when you make pasta and you dump the pasta in a little plastic thing and all the water runs right, out. Right, right, right. Drain it. That's a colander. Okay. Because it's food. It's all about food. I'm not going to ask you to spell that because I'm pretty sure we'll be here for the next thirty minutes. Still, it's a, it's a true analogy. But okay. anyway, yeah, their 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 defense is porous to say the least. That's a big college word for you. Porous. Nice. Word of the day. Word of the day. Porous. Go. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's so shocking that their defense was that bad. Even the Browns tweeted out, the fail for Cardale is off. Off. They're calling it quits off. already. They're calling it off. They think they can win now. Yeah. By about the second drive on Sunday, they'll I change it. I think we can win now. Doesn't All right, you need to, to chillax. Anyone or I'm going to turn your right. microphone off. Yes, sir. You need to chillax yourself. Sorry, boss. These are Especially, you know, we have Fenner in the building today. He's actually... He's, you know, like, why can't you do this stuff on Thursdays when he's not even listening? That you do it when he's in the studio. You can't even, you can't even behave properly when the big. Because boss in a conversation, as he was walking in, he's like, "Tubby, I need to be entertained. It's Friday morning. It's early, and I'm on your show. I, I need to be up. entertained." You did not say that. No, I was gonna say, Fred yeah, would did. not have said that. I seen, I seen the look in his eye. I interpreted it. You know, I, I searched out his knees, and that's what he said. I needed to be entertained. Fenner, I'm going to talk to a person with half a brain now. What, what did you interpret from last night uh, with the Steelers taking this seven-point defeat at the hand of the uh, hashtag cheaters, which I think was trending last night on Twitter during this game? One of the fascinating elements of this game was something that kind of ties back to what you and I were actually talking about on our broadcast Doesn't it last always? Saturday. It's true. Right. We're always right. Uh, with Edinburgh football, I mean, it, it was like when we, we would call something out that was going to happen, and then it happened on the field, and we said, Coach Brownings must be listening to us on the headset. <laughs> And here we are with the New England Patriots home broadcast literally playing through the headsets of the Steelers on the sideline. I, I mean, these guys were frustrated. Mike Tomlin was ticked uh, after this football game, and I can't blame him. Uh, pretty much saying that this is, has been a, a consistent problem in Foxborough, not having working headsets against the Patriots and, and kind of just you know playing it off as, oh, well, it's not really a surprise because this is what we're expecting every time we come here. That was right. really fascinating. I, I, uh... I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's what Fetter and I were joking about last Saturday at the Borough or last Thursday at the Borough game. But, you know, and, I, and you know, he said after the game that was most of the first half, the, the broadcast and the NFL kind of played it off like, oh, it was just like two drives, you know. And, we, and then we, don't worry, we turned the Patriots headsets off too so that it could be an equal playing field. Yeah, it probably took a drive to you figured out that that was going on, yeah. if not two, until that actually happened. But Big Ben uh, wasn't so big. 26 for 38, 351 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Sacked twice. I just, I don't even know. I don't even know if Pittsburgh played that bad. I just think, well, Josh Scobie. I mean, they would have cut him by, you know, f- with five minutes left in the first half if they could have. If they could have just sent him to a clubhouse like in baseball that easily and just told him to hit the showers, they would have done that. Yeah, I guarantee you he'll be cut maybe before the end of our show. 
Find Easily, someone. He could be. Yeah. Find someone else. Very There's got to be another kicker somewhere else. You can't miss two field goals like that and expect to still have employment. Cause well, there's the kicker that the Browns wave, Spear. He's in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, whoever that is. But he's probably better than that. Yeah, he's pretty good. Well, Sam Ficken, the Penn State kicker, said, hey, I'm over here. You know, I'm around. He was pretty, he was pretty good. Yeah. And, and he's not going 5'10", uh, 260 like the uh, current Penn State kicker. He's that is a big Saturday. boy. That is a big boy. You know, I was freaking out by how big he was, but I was watching a game with my father. My dad's like, who was a larger man himself, so he was probably, you know, just trying to defend the guy. Um but he was like, he was like, you know who he reminds me of? Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. no way Janikowski was that big. <laughs> so I looked yeah. it up. Janikowski was only like five pounds heavier than that guy in college or coming out of college. But the problem is Janikowski was like five inches taller. So he does just wasn't all chub right here. I was going to yeah. say, Janikowski did not have that much of a belly. Like that kid, if he does a cannonball, there's no water left in the pool. That's oh. what I'm saying. It's simple physics, especially when you're a kicker. When you put all that mass behind the ball, of course it's going to go through the uprights. Well, in high school football, there's a lot of linemen that are kickers, especially kickoff kickers. Right. Because you get that good 10-yard running start, you're going to boot it you know, to the right. five-yard line or the end zone. Sure. You don't got the scrawny little guys like me, the, the converted soccer players. They only come in for extra points. Yeah. My son, my son Pudge, who's 140 pounds at the age of 11, he's a pretty good kicker too that's a big boy i'm just saying go back to, uh leaving titusville's b team and going to the pittsburgh steelers or is which the was, orange which was still better than it's colors the right? steelers a team so that's okay. okay no he's on the red ramblers though he's on the red ramblers I, we, we went over that as color coordinated in titusville and it was a whole deal that was a whole other show it was uh, awesome we got it all right here um new england patriots Pittsburgh Steelers again, 28-21. What do you make of the Patriots? Do you think they were just trying to come out and make a statement? I mean, obviously, uh, Gronk made a nice statement. Five catches, 94 yards, three touchdowns. So if you had uh, him on fantasy, you were making a statement saying, you know, boom, done. You know, I, I think, basically I think won he already. got you 32 points overall with his yardage and, and points. Yeah, I know a couple guys last night that were pretty thrilled. Uh, nearly had four touchdowns with that fumble recovery that was just short, too. Right. Of course, Scott Chandler stealing away the touchdown, vulturing it. As everyone kind of <laughs> thought the ball was headed Gronk's way, and then it ended up being he was kind of setting right, the right over Chandler. that, right over his head. Yeah. So I mean, when you think about the Patriots. You think the Patriots are dominant because I mean, Tubby, you and I gave uh, along with Chewy gave our Super Bowl predictions, and none of us thought, none of us picked the Patriots. None of us thought that they were going to be making another return to the postseason, or I mean, to the Super Bowl to defend their title, let alone take it again. Uh, what do you think about the Patriots? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand how Belichick keeps going to the well. And keeps coming up with these diamonds. I, I just don't get it. I mean, the guy can literally go swimming in a vat of dog poo and come out smelling like roses. I don't understand it. I, I just cannot grasp the concept. But, yeah, I mean, they look like world beaters right now. They look like like they're supposed to be coming off a, a Super Bowl championship. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll have to rework all the brackets now and try to figure out where they're going to fall because they're, you know, they're going to be good until somebody stops them. And I think it's going to take a while. You agree, Fenner? You think you think the Patriots are there? They're still legit this year. Definitely. Uh, I think one of their few weaknesses is definitely the back four. I think their secondary is going to struggle. Uh, and really, I think it's a shame that Pittsburgh wasn't at full strength offensively last night because I think they could have really, really exposed this Patriots secondary. Uh, when you really only have Antonio Brown and an aging Heath Miller as serious threats. I mean, Marcus Wheaton's okay. Darius Hayward Bay, I don't know if that's really cutting it. You didn't Mental have... lapse last night by Hay- Hayward Bay, wide open in the end zone, put his foot out of bounds. Yeah. So just to you know, go to his point, he's not very good. I mean, you didn't have a full core there, obviously. Le- Le'Veon Bell with the suspension, uh, Marquise Pouncey not healthy <laughs> right. uh, on that pup list. And then the suspension of Martavis Bryant. So really, it wasn't a full-strength offense, and you knew that going into the game for Pittsburgh. But I think with the Patriots, yeah, it's their, it's their back four. 
But I think they got a really big answer in the backfield offensively with Deion Lewis. What a surprise. Uh, former Eagle. Yeah, and a former Pitt Panther also. Right. Uh, I was extremely surprised to see how this backfield looked going into the game, though. Jonas Gray basically came out and said, I thought I was the number one back on this depth chart, and he is now, you know, I mean, was it was this past week looking for a job. Now he's in Miami on the practice squad. Are you kidding me? I mean, look at how, how ridiculous this, this New England backfield is. You can go from, you know, the graces with Bill Belichick to on the street virtually for not doing a whole lot of, of bad things, just kind of falling out of favor. It's interesting. Right, yeah. That, the backfield is always a revolving door in New England. Almost anything is a revolving door in New England other than maybe the quarterback position, obviously, with Tom Brady has that pretty much locked down. But, I mean, the Patriots came out. I mean, this wasn't a very exciting game. I, you know, it was, it was nothing, nothing at the end of the first quarter. I mean, the most excitement there was the headset situation. And then, you know, the Patriots took a lead, and then the Steelers earned some points in garbage time really at the end. But I, I wasn't too enthused with this game. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was having me on the edge of my seat. You know, I don't know. I mean, I saw that Fat Willie's was, was packed up when I drove by about a couple minutes before kickoff. So I'm sure uh, those in town were enjoying the contest. But I don't know. So the Steelers, you know, they start their season uh, off with a loss uh, by seven points to the New England Patriots as the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, win again. I think there's only been two times the defending Super Bowl champion hasn't won in like the last 10 years or something mm-hmm. like that. So the Patriots continue that on with a 28-21 victory, and the 2015 NFL season is officially open. It's here. Football is back completely. College, high school, pro. Canadian Football League was already underway. So yep. football all around, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll continue with football talk on the other side as hopefully we'll have Mike Miller, a former NFL coach, Burrow offensive coordinator, and other on the line to talk about the NFL and bro football and more as we continue here on The Morning After. And we're back here on The Morning After. It's 9-19 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. Just broke down the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New England Patriots game from last night. 28-21 uh, victory for the New England Patriots as the 2015 NFL season is officially underway here um, as we finally get into September, no more preseason, no more training camp, no more, no more. Uh, you know, this doesn't count, that doesn't count. We're finally here. It finally matters. Uh, as I mentioned before, we hit the break um, that football is a full-fledged here as we have a football Fridays every Friday here, Fenner, you know, as you're, as you're in here gracing us with your presence. So another man that is gracing us with his presence, uh, a man that knows, you know, a good, a good amount about football on, on every level from the Canadian Football League to the National Football League to PSAC football as well. The former uh, NFL coach with the Cardinals, the Steelers, the Bills, and also former Edinburgh offensive coordinator Mike Miller is now joins us here on the morning after. Coach, how are you? Good, Tyler. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Coach. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so obviously a... Uh, a former um, Pittsburgh Steelers guy, so you know you you know a little bit about the Steelers back in the day. You know you know about the that steel curtain and all that that means to the the fan base and and the crowd. So let's just start off by asking you about the Patriots and the Steelers. Uh, if you caught that game last night, what did you think about that opening matchup uh, for the 2015 National Football League season? Well, I think it's a great matchup. I mean, especially for I think the entire NFL fan base. I mean. Uh, the Steelers with the tradition and the talent that they have and uh, the, the highest Super Bowl winning team in the NFL against uh, Tom Brady and Coach Belichick, who many believe to be the best coach. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, great matchup. Uh, it's always tough to go up there and play in Foxborough. And 
uh, especially on a Thursday night. Uh, it was a, at least it wasn't at least it was the first game for the Steelers. I think the the statistics are pretty crazy against the road team on Thursday night games in season. So uh, they didn't at least have to deal with that. They could spend their time getting prepared. But uh, yeah, two great teams and a great venue and, and a great night for football. Right, it was. You know, it's also a little difficult when, you know, you're getting the Patriots radio broadcast in your headset as well. I guess that that might throw a wrench into the situation. But nonetheless, um, Coach, continuing on with the National Football League, what do you what do you make of, of just the league today? I mean, obviously, you're a few years removed from the National Football League, uh, making your way back into it now with the developmental league that's going to get in the full swing here shortly. But what do you make of the league and, you know, the 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 bad PR it's been getting lately and, you know, it's trying to focus itself on football because despite everything that's happening in the papers and in the, in the courtroom, it's still having the highest TV ratings ever. Well, how do you, what do you make of the, of the league today? Well, I mean, I think you just said it. It's extremely strong. Uh, I think we all know sometimes a few bad apples don't exactly speak for the entire bushel. And uh, I think it's very strong. Uh, the fan base continues to grow. I think, what do they have? Three games in London now, mm-hmm. uh, a year, and so uh, I mean now you I mean now you, I mean all this fantasy league commercials you see now, and I mean the NFL is a big machine and it's well run. Uh, the marketing is second to none, and the research they do to grow the game, uh, the steps they take to keep keep it as safe as possible. So yeah, I mean I, I think the league's in great. <laughs> I think the league's in great shape. Uh, Coach Mike Fenner here, joining Tyler on the show. Uh, what can you tell us about the development developmental league and, and what you've been up to uh, since departing here from Edinburgh? Like, what 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 have, you, what have you been up to in the in the coaching profession lately? Well, unfortunately for me, and I, I can't really get too much into it, but I was a uh, guy. I was involved in a really uh, bad car accident uh, in June. So uh, for me, it's all been about getting healthy. Um, but uh, the league is moving forward, and uh, it's uh, it was always built to start in 2016, but they have uh, tryout weekends that are happening through August and September, and uh, they're going to set a draft date. Uh, I believe it's going to be at the uh, end of this month. So, yeah, things are things are continuing to move forward. Slated to start training camp in February, in March. And, or excuse me, uh, start training camp in February in Florida, and then uh, the seasons to start the first week of March. Coach, um, sorry to hear about the the car accident. Hope, hopefully, all is well with you. Um, continuing on with the uh, developmental league, how important do you feel having that league for the National Football League? As you know, many other sports have a minor league or or a D league in the NBA to to, to work in its players. How important do you feel that is? For the NFL franchises and also for players, because you know you're never going to. There's never going to be a shortage of players, as though this is just going to be another avenue for them to to showcase themselves to the NFL franchises. Yeah, if you think about it, every other major sport has a series of minor leagues. It might be set up differently, but they exist. And I think, for the most part, the NFL will always continue to use college as its minor leagues. But as we know, I mean, these guys get bigger and stronger at different rates. Skill levels develop at different rates. And sometimes NFL teams are handcuffed to these salaries waiting for a guy to develop. And, and, and with the way things are and how much time a coach has to get a program turned around, sometimes you don't have the time to invest in developing younger guys. 
because of the emphasis on winning now and, and the way the media will will go after a coaching staff and, and the expectations that get placed. I mean, it's high pressure, and, and you got to win now. So to have an environment where a guy, and, and especially quarterbacks, I mean, it's the hardest job in professional sports. I, I still think the hardest task might be hitting a professional uh, pitcher in Major League Baseball, hitting a fastball. But uh, as far as a job goes to play quarterback, it's – I mean, you can see in the league now, if you've got a good one and there's probably only a handful, then you've got a chance each week. It's like having uh, in Major League Baseball, it's like having good, a good pitcher. It gives you a chance every start. So to have an environment where these guys can develop and continue to play and learn and just develop the physical skills, but more importantly, the mental skills, how to read, um, the balance it takes, how to prepare, so those are all very important, and that's just that position. I mean, it's another advantage for young linemen. It's hard to put. You see it last night with a great job that Coach Belichick does. They had three rookies on that offensive line last night. I mean, in this day and age, that just doesn't happen. So, I mean, really, just tip your hat again to Coach Belichick and the job that they do uh, to be able to start a season in that situation and come out victorious, and, and they played very well in offense. So, I mean, it's it's all over the board. Young receivers, you see all the time, maybe some guys that can really run, but they lack the ball skills. Um, there's a chance for those guys to get better. Defensive backs, also another ones that can really benefit. And these are just coming on the top of my head. It's just the same way how um, baseball will pick kids out of high school and they throw them in that, uh, the lower A league. And it might take them four years or five years to make it, but it's that time to develop. And so yeah, I, I think it's definitely something moving forward. I'm sure it's something that the owners are interested in because now all this development happens at a lower pay rate, which, let's face it, this is business. So you're always looking to make the most strides in the cheapest way possible, and that's and that's, that's why they're in business. So that's another reason why it's very viable to have a developmental league. Coach, <clears throat> Coach shifting gears, talking borough football, uh, this morning on the show as well. Uh, had their first game this past Thursday. Uh, tomorrow we'll have the PSAC opener against Shippensburg. Quarterback Jake Sisson making just his third career start. With working with him last year, uh, what can you say about, about what he brings to the table as a quarterback? And for such a young signal caller being put in there, uh, what did you learn about working with Jake last year? Yeah, let me stress, and I talked to Tyler about this yesterday. Um, I've been in media in the younger parts of my career and I have now been blessed to go all the way into coaching. And so, I mean, like we said in the very beginning, I have been removed um, from the Edinburgh program since February, and I'm certainly not in there every day knowing the ins and outs of what's going on. So my comments really can just be about um, you know, my experience with those players. Uh, I have the utmost respect for Coach Browning, uh, Wayne Bradford, Raven, uh, Aubrey and Coach Henson, those guys all do a great job. I'm not familiar with the two guys that they added, um, but I do have some familiarity with the talent that's there. And Jake Sisson, I, I have just nothing but the best of things to say about Jake. I understand he had a little bit of a rough go last week, but I mean, used to, I don't know what was taking place in the game. Uh, I never saw one play of the game, but Jake prepares like a professional. He prepares very hard. He's a very smart kid. Can read the field, 
Uh, he's physically a tough guy. He's a good leader. Uh, he's going to be the first one in, last one out. Expects a lot from himself, pushes himself, and he's great to be around. I mean, he's a, he's a very likable guy, and, and I know his teammates respect and like him very much. So, hey, one game is one game. I know Coach Browning and the staff are, are probably grinding away this week getting ready for Shippensburg. It'll be, it'll be nice to have them at home. Last year we had to travel there last year. That's a tough trip, and we were coming off Carson Newman. That was, uh, I think, an 11-hour bus ride, and I think Shippensburg is a six- or seven-hour bus ride. So, I mean, that's, that's difficult. So I'm glad, we, I'm glad we have them at home, and I'm certainly rooting for our uh, Edinburgh Scots tomorrow. Awesome, Coach. Uh, <clears throat> we'll we'll let you go now. I know you I know you got a lot going on today. Uh, so we appreciate the few minutes this morning, and um, you know, get better. Uh, you know, of course, health number one, and then of course, uh, hopefully, you get into the developmental league and um, get get back into the swing of coaching and football. But of course, health is the number one of, uh, concern as always, Coach. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. I'm glad to hear you guys are doing well. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, you got it. Thanks. Alrighty, that was. Former NFL and Edinburgh coach Mike Miller there on the line with us here on the morning after talking with us a little bit about, you know, the NFL, Borough football, all the good stuff there. Uh, some good points he made about the developmental league, uh, Mr. Fenner. He really, you know, t- I mean, that's something that not too many people know about, but it's really in the works and it's been in the works for a while. And um, he's he's was that's was the main reason he left way back, you know, before the last Super Bowl even happened, before Pete Carroll decided not to throw the ball. Or, I mean, not to run the ball and to throw the ball. I mean, he already decided he was about to leave. And um, it's still not even starting until 2016, and that was apparently the plan from the beginning. Uh, but you really haven't heard any much much about it in, in the mainstream media. You really have to go Googling and searching for it if you really want to find some news on it. But he did say a lot of good things about the business end of it and the player development part of it, something that the NFL is lacking right now. Yeah, and I think with a guy like Mike Miller, with his experience kind of like we talked about all over the map, literally – uh, with tons of different experiences at different levels. I think he could be a great guy uh, to be a part of this and maybe help it kind of flourish and, and grow upward and uh, make it something that people have to talk about in mainstream. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a very interesting point, um, you know, that he made there. So, And, you know, he talked about the Steelers and the Patriots, and, you know, he mentioned that last night too, or in, in the thing which, uh, you know, they were mentioned a lot where the Patriots uh, had a lot of young guys starting on that on that offensive line, including including their 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 center, you know that's really one of the captains of the line. He needs to know everything there is to know about a defensive scheme, let alone what's going on offensively and how to how to work with the quarterback. Because I mean that's like the catcher in baseball. You know you're touching the ball every single play and you're really controlling what's going on on the offense and such. And you know he's doing and he they're uh, rookies did a tremendous job on the line last night with Bill Belichick um, obviously an amazing coach there so we'd like to thank Coach Miller again for joining us um, so we touched on Borough football there with Sisson um, you know obviously Miller giving us his impression working with Sisson last year which is exactly what we were looking for so we'll continue fully into Borough football uh, on the other side for our final 30, 30 minutes here on the morning after as we uh, will get down right to the nitty gritty of it I know Mike Fenner's got his game notes highlighted already so we'll uh, see what he highlighted and what we should highlight on Saturday after Afternoon here on the morning after. We're back here on the morning after 9:37. Uh, just got done talking to Mike Miller, former Steeler, Bill, Robert Morris, offensive defensive line coach, Berlin Thunder quarterbacks and receivers coach, a member of the Cardinals when they hit the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald. 
um, the uh, the Montreal. How do you say that? Alou- Alouettes. 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 Montreal Alouettes. He was with. He was with Burrow, um, and of course the Clarion graduates. So he knows a little thing about Western PA. So uh, thanks to him for coming on today, giving us a few minutes of his time. So speaking of Burrow, it's time for Burrow football week two. Uh, boys and girls, back and better than ever. You know, we had a, a little bit longer of a wait. Had to go from Thursday to now Saturday now. So I know I've been missing it. I wanted to do another game the next day, Fenner. I was I was amped. So, But now it's, you know, tomorrow. Sox Harrison Stadium, noon kickoff um, against the Shippensburg Red Raiders um, as the PSAC East Foe will be making its trip east, as Coach Miller allu- alluded to. Edinburgh made the trip East last year, so Shippensburg heading west this year. Um, of course, you can listen to that here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. The Scots coming off a 30-10 to loss to St. Joseph's last week. And um, in non-conference action, um, Shippensburg is coming off a 64-14. to Count it. 64-14. to That's like a Harlem Globetrotters Washington Generals score uh, over the Griffins a week ago. So, Mr. Fenner, you know, the stats man that you are, that's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, it was the highest count in the conference uh, for week one, including some conference well, matchups. PSAC didn't do too well in week one, so no. that is not surprising, but yeah. That's accurate. No, but these defensive backs better lace them up because you're going to have to cover a lot of ground, and it's going to be a very, very potent offense with a lot of ability on the other side for Shippensburg. This is a team that last year carried a couple of thousand-yard receivers. Uh, they do lose Trevor Harmon to the National Football League, nephew of Bruce Arians, who's actually, uh, you know... His coach. Exactly, his coach now at the Arizona Cardinals. Lose Harmon, but you still got Sheldon Mayer. That's the guy to look out for uh, for Shippensburg. And in this first week, they really spread the ball around. That's the one thing I noticed. There really wasn't a whole lot of star power from anybody in the backfield or the receiving core, and they didn't really need it to be that way, taking on a Griffin team that really seemed to be hapless defensively. Uh, So it doesn't really give you a great identity of of who exactly to take away outside of Sheldon Mayer. Um, But what what Mayer can bring to the table is, you know, just a heck of a lot of ability. He's a senior, 5'7", 170 pounds. I mean, that's a tiny guy, but he can shift all the way around the field and make plays – uh, from sideline to sideline. He's really going to wear out the secondary of whoever he's going to face. Uh, so that's definitely going to be a difficult matchup for Edinburgh defensively. Yeah, it's not going to be the easiest one for certain. Uh, Ryan Zapatiki, you know, they saw a good portion of him last year in that in that dual threat they had at quarterback a year ago, did the Red Raiders. But now he's the man under center, the defending offensive player of the week as well as uh, as Zapatiki, uh, you know, didn't, didn't do too bad um, <laughs> last week um, as the uh, – as we said, they put up 64 points. Trying to see if I can find some stats on him. I had it. Here we go. Finished the day 15 to 26, 244 yards, four touchdowns. Also running for a team high 13 times for 59 yards. That's mostly what he did last year. Was he really ran the ball? Mm-hmm. But I think running was huge last year just because of the the weather conditions. Obviously, it was a foggy, wet type of day. So running the ball was big. Uh, not not to say that Shippensburg didn't move the ball in the air, but they because they did. But this is going to be the second straight week now, Fender, where I think. Arguably, maybe the best runner on the field is going to be the opposing quarterback, just like a week ago this, the Borough defense had to face. Exactly. When you talk about the St. Joe's game, uh, I mean, certainly, you look at their backs, they were great, they were terrific. Uh, I think Braxton Shelton was as good as advertised, but the quarterback play, running the football was huge. I think that was the difference in the ball game. Wade Bertrand really had that extra element, and you had four runners, not three, uh, against St. Joe's. I think you'll see much of the same 
Uh, and don't forget, Zapatiki made just his second career start last week, uh-huh. much like Jake Sisson, his counterpart. So both guys, only two starts coming into this matchup against each other. But like you said, a little bit different uh, from one side to the other with the performances last week. So it'll be interesting to see the, the threat that he can pose. But he did make that appearance in, a, in the Edinburgh game last year without a start. But still, right, it yeah. had quite an impact on the game uh, as they played both guys. Absolutely. Tubby, you know, Fetter just touched on the point with between the, you know, the two quarterbacks, Zapatiki, Sisson, basically in the same boat. Zapatiki on cloud nine. Sisson, you know, getting some harsh criticism from from coach, you know, saying that, you know, we, we miss some things offensively and we miss some open guys. And I'm sure the tape backed that up. And Sisson, I'm sure, agrees now that he could see that. But what, what do you make of, you know, Sisson having to come into his, his week two here, his third career start, um, you know, trying to bounce back from a, a tough opening start for 2015? Well, this is the redemption game. I mean, this is where he comes out and proves it if he can actually cut the mustard or not. You know, is he able to take that criticism? Is he able to learn those mis- from those mistakes and not repeat them, you know, this Saturday? And it's and it's not like it's an easy opponent. I mean, no, they're not they're not. not they're not a complete juggernaut, but I tell you what, he's got a he's got an uphill climb to make. I mean, it it's doable, but you know, I mean, how how is he going to come out there? You know, he just can't be timid. He has to hit his reads and Make the play. Just make the play. The one thing I really want to know, though, is you know, is this Shippensburg trying to make a statement to the rest of the East, to the Bloomsburgs, the East Strouds, to all these teams, saying, you know, here we come, this is our offense, we're dynamic, and we're going to try and win this division, uh, putting up that big statement with 64 points? Or, you know, does it really not carry as much weight because it's the Seton Hill defense, a defense that really got picked on last year? Yeah, I mean... It's a good question. I'm not really sure what exactly it means. Um, I mean, they might be just trying to send a message. I think, you know, an opening, I think they just tried to light it up. I think knowing Coach Majeski and uh, that I just, I think that's the type of people they are. I think they're not afraid to run up a score. I think, you know, obviously last year was a high-scoring affair, you know, with the, with the, with the Scots and the Red Raiders, and I think it would be much of the same um, this week, you know, if, if they're able to put up, high points Shippensburg won't stop if they can hit 100 they'll hit 100 you know I just kind of think the way it is but it, it's obviously sending a message I mean Shippensburg is picked it was picked in a tie for third um in the Eastern Division preseason coaches poll so I mean they're not being you know totally looked over I mean I don't know how you can say you know I don't know how you can argue that Bloomsburg and Westchester is not better than Shippensburg. I mean, both of them made it to the NCAA playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So those are solid teams. Bloomsburg was undefeated in conference play. Um, but East Stroudsburg and Ship tied for third in the Eastern Division. Unfortunately for the Scots, those are the two Eastern Division teams that they need to play this year. So, um, you know, that's that's a little bit on the tougher side. Well, in addition to Millersville, don't forget that one. That could be flex, though, mm-hmm. in the the PSAC championship weekend. Um, but so obviously East Strasburg, Schiffensburg, two tough Eastern Division schools the Scots need to face. Um, but I think I think that's what uh, Coach Mack just likes to do. He just likes to run up the score. And uh, when you got the capability to do so, you might as well go ahead and do it. But one thing Coach Miller mentioned is, you know, I think that game, you know, the Schiffensburg took kind of got, you know, extended their lead at the end. It was a closer game, third, fourth quarter. Um, I think the Scots might have just been tired. As he mentioned, you know, it was another five, six, seven-hour bus ride after a 10-hour bus ride um, to Carson Newman in Tennessee. And then, of course, coming back through the night for that, maybe this team 
being at home for the first week and having this one at home again could help them because they hopefully will not be as fatigued when the Red Raiders come to town tomorrow as when they had to go to ship a year ago. Plus a nine-day layoff, too, with playing on Thursday, so you got a mm-hmm. really right. good gap of time, not only being at home both of those games, but having that nine-day layoff as well. Right. Well, the consistent thing we've talked about in the last two weeks or so is how young this Edinburgh team is. And some of, like, some of it went the one way where, you know, maybe it's better if they would have traveled because that would have built the team cohesiveness or the benefit of actually sleeping at home in the beds. But I think for this game coming up, being at home – is a real advantage for them because not only are, are they playing back on their same field again, they got a taste of what the pace is going to be like here in college football, and now they're going to know how to adjust. They're going to—that's my biggest thing. How are these young freshmen and and some of these other newer guys that are transferred in? How are they going to adjust to the corrections made earlier in the week? No, that's very true. As I mean, we talked about that a lot on the broadcast last week. Mike is that just you know thirty-eight true freshmen. Uh, you know, and so many others that are redshirting and just, you know, some transfers as well, which are essentially freshmen to the program. So uh, there's a lot of interesting, you know, avenues you can explore with the youthfulness of this squad. Um, you know, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just trying to look, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just lo- trying to look at the positives for this team and what, you know, they might have as, as an edge against this squad. But I think, I think again, this is just going to be a, a huge defense defensive contest I think it's just going to be for the defense it's going to come down to them I mean Shippensburg has such a high powered offense and they're just you know they they it's so hard to stop them I think Bradford and company are just going to have their hands full once again and they're going to need to play a a plus football to be able to make sure that their offensive unit is in this game because I'm not sure if we're just going to go blow for blow that Burrow can keep pace with Shippensburg when it comes to just right. offensive, you know, firepower. Right. Well, I mean, the linemen are going to have to crush – the linemen are going to have to crush that O-line and try to put some pressure on that quarterback. Try to get in there, get them off his mark, disrupt them, and give the corners and the safety some time to cover. Because you can't cover these guys all day on a play. You know, you're looking at covering them maybe five, six seconds max at the top of their route. But if you're trying to, you know – anybody can get open within 10 to 15 seconds. So you're looking at a very small window. So those the defensive linemen have to get in there, have to crush, you know, and then the linebackers have to stop step up and stop the uh stop the run, plug the holes. That they do. So we'll uh, hit our final break here on the morning after. We'll come back. Uh, we'll give some names of note that you'll need to know for Saturday afternoon, of course, when Shippensburg comes to the borough as the Fighting Scots take them on in the gridiron on noon. Tomorrow we'll be back after this. A legacy of excellence dating back to the 1800 the 70s. This is 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. 9.52 here on the morning after. We're back for our final segment of today's show here on a uh, Friday edition. Friday, uh, Stone cold. Friday, September 11th, of course, as you know, it's the uh, unfortunate um, anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and of course um, you know a lot of that was surfacing on social media last night of you know just kind of interesting um, you know facts and stuff about it and I just looked you know that there were just thousands thousands of people that you know went to bed you know on that night before and you know weren't didn't know that they weren't going to you know make it through the next morning and uh, you know that's that's just you know we'd like to thank all of those you know who fought that day and um, you know just tried to try to save those people's lives that, and, you know, save the ones that they did and, you know, put everyone else's 
lives first before them. So, you know, un, you know, that's just something to always touch on. You know, we'll touch on that 50 years from now. It's just something right. you always need to recognize and remember year after year. And, you know, it really changed the landscape of our world and, of course, our country today of now, you know, high security. And, you know, you kind of have to give almost everything a second thought because, you know, we were kind of just living a jolly free life for a while. And then now, you know, some things you got to recognize that this is this isn't the the happy-go-lucky world that, you know, the Teletubbies might tell you about. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scariness in the world. So we like to, you know, obviously recognize all of those and, you know, have remembrance here on that September 11th. And I just wanted to touch on that without, you know, completely ignoring that because I thought I would, I would be doing an injustice if we did that. So now getting back to Well, hold on a second. Football, what? Okay. So, like, my biggest memory. Your biggest memory. Oh, my okay. biggest memory from those days. It's not so much so much that day. It's the weeks and the few months after it that I remember that we as Americans stood up and stood together. And there was a great sense of community across the entire country with everybody reaching out, trying to help all those afflicted, not only in New York, but also down there at the Pentagon and also here close to home here in Somerset. Uh, Pennsylvania where the third plane went down and there wasn't a whole lot of black white you know religious faith gay straight divisions we weren't all so easily offended and we just really came together as Americans and tried to help one another out and that's that's the biggest takeaway that I try to at least the biggest positive I try to take away out of that very true you know we were we were a united nation regardless of our differences we didn't care it was it was you know all for one and one for all at that time so now to football you know that'll be on september 12th after all of this um coming back now to the shippensburg red raiders uh mr fenner uh, a multiple offense look as they like to describe it which is you know very descriptive um and then a 4-3 defense the red raiders will run here um on the defensive side what would you? What What are some names, Fenner? You think are going to come to mind? Um, you know, I think one uh, for Burrow at least is going to be Jamal Evelard. We talked to Coach Browning um, at the Scott Sports Show, which is now up on GoFightingScots.com, and he said, you know, Jamal should see more time on Saturday. Uh, and he he explained to us why he didn't get a lot of time, which I was puzzled about, is the fact that he missed some practices. So, you know, that's understandable. So why he didn't get a lot of playing time? But I think that's a name we'll call more often. And what 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 are some other names you think you're going to be trying to pronounce and orate perfectly Saturday afternoon. It's hard to say on the defensive side. This is a lot different than what we saw last year. A lot of young guys uh, on this on this defensive side of the football for Shippensburg. Uh, when you talk about the starting 11, you've got one senior out there in Kurt Walker at the defensive end spot. Uh, a guy that really could be impactful, though, in the secondary and could be a guy that takes away a Darren Massey or an Alex Caratelli uh, and makes things difficult for Jake Sisson at the quarterback position is Chavis Cheatham. Uh, a 5'9 sophomore corner uh, could definitely make life tough for this Edinburgh receiving core, and it's a receiving core that needs to take off because we saw some flashes last week of what, what they can do. We saw the continuation of what Darren Massey is putting up numbers-wise, uh, but they're going to need him to do that again, and they're going to need other guys to step up. Don't forget, he had 11 catches, a then-career high, in this game last year at Shippensburg, also 161 yards, so he can get it done. Uh, but I think it's more about the surrounding cast around him. Right, and I, another <clears throat> name that I don't want you to sleep on at all, um, he's not listed on the starting lineup. Andrew Smith is the starting running back for the Red Raiders, but Colin McDermott had 12, catch, or 12 um, 
you know, touches last week for 80 yards. A man that I covered quite often in high school, redshirted last year um, in 20, or excuse me, redshirted in 2013. Now he's a redshirt, was a redshirt freshman a year ago. Now a redshirt sophomore. Um, played for Allentown Central Catholic. Also played lacrosse. Covered him in both sports. He holds the school's single season and career rushing re- uh, yardage records. This guy is a really nice runner. It's a good get for Shippensburg. Um, I, I obviously, you know, a senior is going to get the start. Andrew Smith, a senior, is going to get the start over McDermott. But watch out for McDermott. He is a solid guy. He had a touchdown last week, and he has the ability to just, you know, keep the keep his feet moving on the ground, and he can break some big runs. So, you know, don't be slacking on that name as well in the backfield because I think because you know right now it's going to be about 63 degrees and 60 percent chance of rain tomorrow I think we're going to have another game where it's going to be tough to throw the ball and it's going to come down to running and they might just throw you Andrew Smith they might throw you Colin McDermott they might throw you Ryan Zapatiki and Burroughs defense is just going to have to stack the box but then also make sure that their young secondary is prepared for when Zapatiki is going to air it out and that's going to be that tough balance they're going to have to figure out Definitely. You're absolutely right about it. Uh, but the rain, I think, could play to Edinburgh's favor. I think that could be something that maybe takes away some of that passing element for Shippensburg. But the issue is they've <laughs> got to find consistency of their own in the ground game. And they've got to find their three guys, their four guys. You can't go with one running back like we saw until the final drive at the St. Joe's game last Thursday. Right. 34 net rushing yards until the final drive. They get to 100, but it's off of six carries from a backup running back who didn't see the field until that last drive. So let's see what they'll do with him. Maybe in, in, in addition to Jamal Evelard and Corey Bell, we see Robert Bell. We see you know, Ryan Harkness, a couple other guys get in the mix. Uh, obviously, it was an interesting situation, though. Coach did say that Corey never seemed tired because of the way that the game flowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's strictly based on fatigue. you know, you got to get production also. That's another reason to put guys in right. and out. And, you know, another name, maybe John Gervin. We know he was injured a week ago. We did not talk to Browning about that. Um, you know, obviously, as, as Helmick and uh, Kemka did a nice job at tight end, so maybe we're not even sure how Gervin's going to fit into that puzzle. But maybe he get finally hits the field. Not real. We didn't get the exact extent of his injury or a timeline of anything. We, we would probably not get that anyway if we asked anyway. So, uh, you know, not really much to talk about in that front. But... You know, Shippensburg, uh, Burrow, with just the final few seconds uh, remaining, Mr. Fenner, what do you think about this contest? You want a score prediction? Are you going to make a prediction? Give me one right now, sure. quick. Hit me. I'll go on the spot. I'm going right. to say 35-20, Shippensburg. 35-20, Shippensburg. Since you're not coming to the game, I'm not going to ask you. So listen to all of us on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio tomorrow as we'll have that contest for you uh, here. Also on ETV, Enbro.tv. That will get underway at 1130 with the game kicking off at noon. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in for today's The Morning After.